Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Carrick. I teach busy mums who are trying to juggle everything to transform their lives, to lose weight and lead a healthy life so they can feel fit and fabulous. On the Fit and Fabulous podcast, we chat about nutrition, healthy living, emotional wellness in a way that you can apply to your life. I'll show you how to stop being frustrated and overwhelmed with healthy living and how to make it fun and easy. You're invited to sign up to my free New Me workshop. Change your mindset to healthy living in five days. Get to the bottom of those I can't do it thoughts and transform them into wow, it's so easy and fun. You can sign up at drorlina.com slash new me. That's doctor, D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new line in the middle, me. Hello, how are you doing today? I hope you are amazing. Today, we have the second half of my series about heart disease and how to avoid heart disease with lifestyle. We are still talking to Dr. Zarin Sheaf, who has given us an amazing insight onto heart disease and nutrition. So if you missed that, go back and start with nutrition. Today, we're going to be talking lifestyle. Now, let's move on to exercise. What can you tell us about exercise? Now, exercise, we all know that exercise is important. Um, And sadly, a sedentary lifestyle, which would be quite preferable to some, uh, is a leading contributor to, to, to poor cardiac health. Regular exercise and physical activity, they're associated with remarkable widespread health benefits and significantly lower cardiovascular disease risk. Just walking 25 minutes a day can add up to seven years to your life. It's phenomenal. That is Um, amazing. It is amazing. It doesn't just help your heart. Exercise makes you happier. And that, you know, holds true amongst socioeconomic groups, age, ethnic groups. Exercise makes you happier. Researchers have found that even just 10 minutes of exercise a day can make you happier, can release those all, all those happy endorphins. Not only that, there has been research about exercise and your telomeres. Now, telomeres are the ends of your chromosomes and they regulate cellular aging. As your telomeres get shorter, your life gets shorter and your risk of premature death from just about everything goes, goes up. Exercise lengthens them. So what exercise does is it decreases your risk of premature death. So that's a phenomenal that's a phenomenal you know it's the power of what we what movement does um and what we say in the cardiac world is we can give people all the drugs in the world if you've had 
a heart attack, then the thing that's going to be the most protective to you is actually getting out and exercising. It's actually building up your cardiac cardiac reserve, building up your cardiorespiratory fitness. Um, the benefits of that far outweigh all the, the, the vast array of drugs that we give. It's now, very interesting. Again, I think that, you know, this is a message that I'm hearing across all experts is that exercise is super beneficial. Absolutely. Now, we don't 100% know how and why and the ins and outs and the biochemistry. You know, it's been shown to have favorable effects on lipid profiles. It's been shown to have good effects on glycemic control, you know, during exercise, certainly your heart rate and blood pressure increase. But over time, moderate to intense exercise lowers your blood pressure. So there are lots of different ways in which it's cardioprotective. Um, and certainly it, it, it is recommended in all societies, in all walks of life. And there is no controversy, whereas nutrition is controversial and people will be on one side of the fence or the other about certain things. And some people have very strong views. There is no controversy about this. Exercise is good for your health. Okay. What I would say is that do try to stick to the recommendations. Um, both the American Heart Association and the British Heart Foundation, they recommend that adults take part in about two and a half hours per week. Okay. Now, don't be worried because, uh, you know, if you can't do this, if it's unachievable, just look at ways of incorporating it into your day. So but that's rather less than, than half an hour a day. That is less than half an hour a day. So if you're driving to work say and you find somewhere to park the car and then you brisk walk to the rest of the way that is something that is that requires a little bit of time a little bit of organization but it potentially could add that little bit of exercise to your day just have a think about it and Mm. what about brisk what does brisk Mm. mean exactly um so it is enough to get your heart rate up and get your get your get you a little bit breathless So it shouldn't be comfortable. I mean, the other thing you can do, I know people lead busy lives and, you know, we drive to work and various things, but even just like running up and down the stairs for five minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Achieve the same being out of breath. When I find that when I'm sitting on the computer all day in the morning, I sometimes, I have this urge to jump up and do star jumps. So I do, or to run Mm -hmm. up and down the stairs a few times just Mm -hmm. because otherwise I can feel the blood stagnating in my legs and thinking it's not getting to my brain. (laughs) Yeah. And when you sit all day, the key is just to kind of get up after intervals, have a reminder on your computer, something that tells you after, you know, 15, 20 minutes that you must get up and stretch or do something, go, go for a walk around the office or and then break it up, break up that that sitting period. And the key really is to make it enjoyable because you can you can have the best will in the world and say, I'm going to join a gym, I'm going to do this, I'm going to play that. But if, if you don't find it enjoyable, you will not stick to it. And I, I, I guarantee that there will be something, some form of exertion that you find enjoyable. Just it, the key is finding it and you build it into your routine, then you will actually miss it if you if you stop doing it. Yes, um, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I love my swimming. I do a swimming club now. And when I can't go, I'm like, oh, I didn't go to the swimming pool this week. The other thing I wanted to ask you was about high intensity exercise. So when you just do a short period of very high intensity exercise, does that have benefits for cardiac risk factors? Yes. 
Yes, yes, it certainly has benefits. But what I would say with high intensity exercise is that sometimes if you're not used to exercising, sometimes that short burst of high intensity exercise can actually be from a musculoskeletal perspective, not as good as as it should be it can it can be quite damaging to the joints so what i would say is that if you're at that level of fitness where you can do take a very high intensity exercise burst then by all means do it incorporate it into your life any sort of exercise half an hour a day plus is good um and if you're if you're fit high intensity exercise is is brilliant if you're not then just build it up gradually fabulous so let's move on to stress. Tell us about stress because I think stress is super important. And actually, I have another podcast by another specialist called Marianne who talks all about stress. But mm. I would love to hear what you have to say about stress. So I have, you know, it's I've become much more interested in the effect of stress on the heart it's staggering the number of patients that come in and they they've had their heart attack they're lying in the coronary care unit and they don't have the traditional risk factors and then when you ask them about their lives they're horrendously stressed they've got loads going on in their lives they don't have time for themselves and you know we're finding more and more that we're getting these cases where you don't you can't really pinpoint why they're in but when you when it when you talk to them they're extremely stressed now just to get it right that you know acute stress the acute stress response can be good so that fight or flight response, that sympathetic nervous system activation that when back in the caveman days, if we were, if we heard a sound and we got stressed and we thought it was a lion, we'd get acutely stressed. That would be beneficial and that would be protective because we know to run. We know to protect ourselves. So the acute stress response can be good, but what we're not used to is the kind of modern chronic stress the constant flood of emails in our inbox the constant to-do list the you know trying to fit so much in trying to achieve so much chronic stress is one of the important mechanisms underpinning so much of what we see so many chronic diseases and it's mainly mediated through this sort of sympathetic fight or flight response nervous system which isn't used to being switched on all the time now what happens when this is switched on all the time is it increases inflammation um the that that telomere that we talked about at the end of your chromosome that regulates cellular aging and how we want them, the telomeres to be as long as they possibly can to help prevent aging it shortens the telomeres it harms our gut microbiome it increases inflammation it increases oxidative stress and from a heart perspective it speeds up what atherosclerosis or the fairing up of those coronary arteries of the arteries of your heart um and really what i'm finding is that we don't for a number of reasons uh, address it or recognize it enough in our patients and i think this is where we can really move forward in the coming years to help not just heart health but health in general I, I think it's super interesting. And I think actually we should skip to point five that you were making about relaxation, which I think is kind of the flip side of mm. stress and how we manage stress. And I think it's amazing that there are so many studies coming out. In fact, I did an entire podcast on meditation. It's a beginner's guide to meditation on how to get started. But Oh, wonderful. 
It's quite simple. But, um, you know, I think it's really, there's so much research coming out that really shows the benefits of mindfulness now, not just in health, but in productivity and feeling oh, happy. Yeah. So tell yeah. us about mindfulness and how it is directly linked to cardiac outcomes. Meditation, it can actually change the expression of genes that regulate inflammation. And it can do this in only a few weeks. It's absolutely staggering. So inflammation, as we know, is the hallmark of cardiac disease. And through this, if we can decrease inflammation, then we can decrease that stress on the cardiovascular response. So when you're meditating, naturally, your blood pressure goes down. Naturally, your heart rate goes down. And that is key to reducing the stress on your heart. You know, if you if your if your blood pressure is always up, if you're always on the go, then that induces such a strain on your heart. It's one of the risk factors for cardiovascular disease. If your heart rate's always very fast, and again, that 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 will promote its own stress on the heart. And we're just finding that even a small amount of relaxation can diminish those responses. It can really help stabilize and restore your heart down to a, a sort of baseline relaxed level. And, and there, that can actually decrease the risk of heart attacks. And so how much relaxation do you have to do a day? And is there like a right way of doing it? Because I know there's different ways of doing mm. meditation. So is there a recognized way that achieves this or does it not matter? No, no, I would say it doesn't matter. And I would say do anything that works for you. It's a very individualized thing. I think certain people gel with certain techniques. Some people like mindfulness, some other people like sort of, you know, your deep transcendental meditation. I would say find something that works for you. Other people, you know, just like to sit and breathe. And that is absolutely fine. Find something that works for you and do it regularly. Incorporate it. I now prescribe it to my patients. I say as much as, you know, even if you can just do three minutes, just sit down for three minutes and stop and re regroup. And that can have profound effects. And when people see that happening, what you naturally find is that you do they do it a little bit more and then a little bit more because they can see the positive effects you know it doesn't have to be any particular technique anything that works for you and if meditation isn't it then you know potentially stretching or just breathing techniques can also be very relaxing fabulous so the take-home message is just get started do five minutes a day and start with five minutes a day and just start okay yes and yes. sleep. You were going to tell us all about sleep. Mm. So sleep uh, is fascinating. Um, sleep, I would say, is key to a lot of this. The issue with lifestyle and lifestyle-related risk factors is that they're all very much linked to one another. So what you find is if you're not eating right, then you potentially won't sleep as well. If you're not sleeping right, then you potentially won't eat as well. So they're all very much very interlinked. But sleep, I would say, is so important that it can almost be kind of put together as a put aside as a risk factor all and all on its own. Um, lack of sleep increases all cause mortality. Um, lack of sleep you know, promotes again that sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight response that we were talking about earlier. And it actually increases not only cardiovascular disease, but type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure. When we haven't slept enough, we eat the wrong things, we gain weight. Now, 
there are lots of different mechanisms for this, but essentially the take-home message is that sleep is a time for metabolic restoration. Sleep is a time when your the cells of your body, the organs of your body, almost regroup, restore, replenish, uh, and, and kind of control, alt, delete, get back to a baseline level of functioning so you are ready for the next day. From a cardiac perspective, your blood pressure drops, your heart rate drops. You know, that, that strain, that constant strain that we're putting on our heart, it, it just it goes so that so the heart can essentially metabolically restore. And that has all sorts of effects on the heart. And there are a number of trials, a number of trials that show that if you're not sleeping enough, then your risk for heart attacks goes up. You, you get more high blood pressure, which is another risk for heart attacks. So I would say sleep is extremely important. How much? That's a key issue. And, and, and really what we're finding is between seven to eight is the optimum number of hours that you should sleep for heart health. And not just heart health, the health in general. But as we're specifically talking about the heart, I would say seven to eight hours. And so when you say seven to eight, does that mean above eight is too much? There are studies that show that if you go over a certain number of hours, um, and, and some studies have said it's doing sort of nine, nine hours, then actually you have an inverse relationship where sleep can be slightly detrimental. That's very interesting. Mm. It is very interesting. And I think how people sleep is also very interesting. I have twins and um, out of my four children, none of my children were very good sleepers. Oh. But my little girl, she is like a dormouse and she will just fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Oh. Unfortunately, her twin brother wasn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but compared to her brother, when I put them down at the same time, she will be asleep within 30 seconds and he will stay awake for another hour or so just chatting and playing. And, you know, I can't explain it other than we're all different. We are. We are phenomenally different. And some people are naturally just good sleepers. And others, you know, the slightest little little noise are awake or the slightest bit of light are awake. Um, and what I would say is that it, this is a key area that I would highly encourage people to focus on now. Um, because our busy modern lifestyles don't always allow us to sleep. Um, you know, we, we have a massive to-do list and, and we often neglect that one of the most important fundamental things that is so vital to our health. And what about um, naps? So in Spain, it is traditional to take, especially down in the south, to take an afternoon nap. And to be honest, when it gets so hot in the summer, you kind of feel like you want to take a nap. And my understanding is as long as you get that seven to eight hours over a 24 hour period. So for example, you might have an hour's nap at two o'clock in the afternoon when it's very, very hot and then go to bed a bit later because the evening um, is cooler, but then have an hour's less sleep in the evening. Is that okay? Or should it be eight hours at night time? I would say if you're not getting it, if you're not getting enough sleep at night, or if you're not getting reaching that level of sleep at night, then a nap is an excellent way of, of supplementing your sleep. Essentially, what the way we sleep is that we have 90 minute or so sleep cycles where we go through different stages of sleep. And the first is initially you get a bit of a light sleep, and then you go into a much deeper sleep. And that's very restorative. And then you go into REM sleep, which is typically where we dream. And then you cycle back background so typically that takes about 90 minutes but actually studies have shown that even shorter naps even you know sort of your, your an hour hour 
nap can be beneficial. So if you find, what I would say is that it is also a very personal thing. So if you find that you are restored after a nap, then, and you can fit it into your daily schedule, then go for it. But if you find that you have a nap and you wake up feeling groggy and tired and not restored, then I would work on getting your sleep during the night. My tips on sleep, uh, often if you're addressing all the other lifestyle issues, you will find that you actually naturally sleep better. So if you're exercising, eating right, stressing less and relaxing, you, you will naturally sleep more. The other little things that would help are limiting your caffeine, limiting your caffeine to the morning hours, because what you find is that the caffeine stays in your system. And actually later on at night, you, you'll, you'll have a little bit of caffeine there that if you're, you're not sleeping well, could be a problem. Morning light, getting out in the morning, it helps reset our body clock. And it's extremely important. So if you're finding that you're not sleeping, try and get out in the morning for at least about 20 minutes or so. Um, even if it's cloudy, it's more beneficial than than, than not, okay? Um, one of the m- more important things of, of, of this kind of, of this age is, is having a bit of a digital detox. Um, particularly the last hour before bed, okay? Our screens will keep our brain active and that will overflow into us trying to get to sleep. So if we have an hour or so before bedtime, when we, when we don't listen to anything, when we don't watch anything, uh, when we don't have our phones right next to us, then that can be extremely beneficial. And having a routine, so naturally calming yourself down before you go to sleep. So you can't just, you know, uh, send this email, send that email, do this, do that you know, run around doing your tasks and then crash at the end of the night, you know, expecting to get a wonderful night's sleep. Have that half an hour, if even if you can't manage an hour, have that half an hour before bedtime where you relax. And doing a little bit of meditation is a great, that's a great time to building a little bit of meditation to your routine before bedtime. Absolutely. Okay, fabulous. Now, our last, your last point, the community. Hugely important. And very interesting, actually. I think, you know, I I love talking about this because I think we talk so much about the other risk factors and often community is neglected. But as as humans, we we need connection in our lives and it's fundamental to our health. Um, There's a growing epidemic, I think, personally, of social isolation. And people who feel lonely, depressed or isolated, they're actually much more likely to get sick. And actually studies have shown that they will, if you're lonely, you're more likely to die prematurely from virtually all causes, which is really sad. Because what we're seeing now is that trends are getting a bit worse. We're, we're always on our phones when we're, when we're sitting, no one's interacting with each other. And fundamentally, we are social creatures we 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 interact with one another we feed off each other we've 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 evolved in that manner um in fact 
uh, Theresa May has recently appointed the first Minister of Loneliness in the UK. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's very sad, actually. Well, I I know. I I found that quite sad. Quite hopeful, quite good in a way, because, you know, the the problem is being addressed, but also quite sad. Um, So what I would say is that, yes, loneliness does increase stress, uh, it increases inflammation, that, you know, that theme that we've been talking about throughout this podcast. Um, It has been shown to upregulate some of the expressions of genes that are associated with chronic illness. And part of of that is, you know, just the stress response that comes with the loneliness. It's a really difficult thing. And I know that this will bring out some strong emotions potentially in some people. Um, Part of it is learning to love, accept yourself, and then reconnecting with communities, with friends, um, potentially people who you've lost touch with. Um, And then part of it is, you know, just appreciating that to-do lists will always be there that email the emails will continue to ping in your in your, in your inbox it's so important to recognize and remember that being around people that give you positive energy that give you strength happiness that you laugh with is vital really for our health yes and another thing i would just chip in with is that Facebook is not the same as one-on-one and I know we have huge benefits of the internet like for now we're talking to each other in different countries and it's fabulous and I can Absolutely. see your face. and that is Absolutely. in a way social connection but it's like yeah. there's so much social media that we get addicted to our phones and we get into this habit of just checking our phones and that is not proper social connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, your Facebook friends, are they really your real friends? Have you connected with your real friends? Have you connected with people that really have meaning and matter in your lives, that people that give you strength, that will be there for you? And and that is the key. And I think, you know, um, reconnecting with friends, making time for family, making time for important people in your life, that is so important and, and quite overlooked at times I think let me um just say thank you so so much for being on this podcast it has been oh, you're really really interesting can I just ask you to summarize the um the key points yeah absolutely so I mean we've talked about a lot and I I didn't want to do too much scaremongering but I fear that some of it is quite frightening so i do not want to stress you with talking about all these different changes to make in your life. There are some key things, okay? So the key things are, firstly, with regards to nutrition, eat a whole food plant-based diet, okay? Cut out sugar and and as much processed food, but eat a whole food plant-based diet, okay? Um, Can I just clarify, when you say plant-based, I think people might get a little bit confused by this. hmm. You don't mean be vegetarian you mean have mostly plants plants. as most of your thing so I always think of this that in our modern day we have this idea that we have meat with a side of vegetables but it should be the other way around it should be lots of vegetables with a little bit of meat to accompany your vegetables yeah absolutely um and you know there is absolutely nothing wrong with that um but as long as the 
you know the vast bulk of your 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 volume is through plants then you will be you will be eating a very heart healthy diet it's all um, about the vegetables. It's all about the vegetables. All about the vegetables. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all about the colours, the phytochemicals. But, but also, this is an interesting point, because you were talking about nutrition being a controversial area. But actually, I think everybody agrees that vegetables are good for you. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, secondly, move. Find something you enjoy. Find something that, you know, uh, you... that that you can get involved with for some people it's running for other people it's it's a an exercise class find something you enjoy and just work it into your schedule because if you don't enjoy it then you won't do it um the one thing that i would stress more than anything is find time to relax okay so stress find something that reduces the stress in your life when you talk about reducing stress although doing things like watching television and watching a film those are things that we traditionally do to to relax and they do relax us but when you talk about reducing stress and relaxing that isn't the kind of thing that you're talking about you're talking about active relaxation if that makes sense Absolutely. We're, we're talking about those breathing techniques, those meditation techniques. Find something that takes you away from everything and just helps you have your time uh, with yourself, just focusing on you real, and, and, and really calming that, that sort of sympathetic nervous system down, reducing your blood pressure and reducing your heart rate. Okay. The last thing I would say, don't forget about the power of community. Don't forget about the power of friendship. That is fabulous. Any last words? Thank you so much, Orlina. It's been a real treat. Thank you for, thank you for inviting me. Um, and I so look much. forward it's been, to... It's been amazing. It's been really, really, really interesting. A huge thank you to Zarin for giving us her time to come and chat to us about nutrition and lifestyle and how to avoid heart disease. Now, if you would like to find out more about Zarin, you can find her at lifestylecardiology.com. And she is also on Twitter. And her Twitter Twitter handle is Dr. Zarin Shaikh. And that's Dr. Zarin, Z-A-R-R-I-N-S-H-A-I-K-H. And there is also a link in the show notes. Also, a huge thank you to you for listening to this podcast. I know you're super busy, so I really, really appreciate the time that you take to listen and connect with me. And if you find this podcast useful, I would be super grateful if you could share it with one of your friends who would also find it useful. Thank you and have an amazing week and catch us next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina. If you enjoyed it, I would be really grateful if you could share it with a friend. Every time you share a podcast episode with a friend, it helps me to reach and help more people. Remember, you're welcome to sign up for the new me challenge. Dig out those I can't do it thoughts and replace them with, wow, this is easy and fun. You can sign up at drlina.com slash new me. That's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new dash in the middle me. Have a lovely week and see you next week. Goodbye.